Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join at Stevens Point in Appleton and recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning, as well as our campuses and Stevens Point and Appleton. Good morning to you guys. I have a quick uh, go beyond update, a special campaign. Our goal is to raise $1.2 million. Here's where we're at Green Bay, 747,000. Stevens Point, up to 227,000. Appleton, over 70,000, with a grand total now of $945,743. So praise the Lord for that. Now, our goal is still 1.2, and we decided, the uh, leadership of the church, you know, let's keep going, because this is certainly within our grasp. So if you would continue to stand with us, I know it's supposed to be a, a, a 12 or a 24-month program, and it's not like we're trying to bait and switch you, but <laughs> if you don't want to do any more, that's up to you. But if you can, uh, continue to join with us. I know some, a lot of people did uh, online automated giving and set it up for, you know, uh, for the 24 months. Uh, if you could uh, pay attention to that and continue to help us, it would be greatly appreciated. I think that we could still hit this yet uh, early fall, which would be wonderful. So continue to stand with us because we're doing this to advance uh, God's kingdom. We have a uh, missions update as well today. We have a little video clip for you to see. Here we go. Part of Advent Conspiracy this year, we went to El Salvador. The goal was to put in a fresh water well, and we weren't quite sure where we were going to put it. We were glad to find out that we were at a school of about 130 kids. One of the things that we loved most was to be with those kids every day, and to see their little faces, and for them to be so excited to see us pull into the school every day. When the water came out of the ground that day, uh, it was fantastic. We got to pull the kids into the water and we were pulling teachers into the water and having just a fantastic time. So well, thank you once again to all of those, all of you who stepped up and gave towards uh, the mission uh, during Advent Conspiracy this year. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chad, for that update. Uh, pastor Chad is our uh, campus pastor at the Appleton campus uh, just then. If uh, you're ever in the Appleton area on a Sunday night close here to Green Bay or Stevens Point, stop by the campus there. Get a chance to meet those people and enter in with them. It's a great work they're doing there. Um, but uh, at the end of the service, we'll be doing our mission, special missions offering. This is above and beyond uh, money that we just give to 
help spread the gospel to people who maybe don't have the opportunity ever to hear it, certainly in a situation like this. Uh, it may not seem like a big deal, but to these people, when you put fresh water like that spurring out of the ground, that's a big deal for them. And it brings a lot of health and life to those communities. And by meeting people's physical needs, you know, Jesus told us, you know, to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked and to visit the sick. Uh, by meeting their physical needs, it often opens them up to hear a spiritual message. Wow, thank you. Who are you? And in that context, we're able to share the wonderful love of Jesus. We can't just assume the world's going to listen to our message when we're not reaching out to them and trying to meet their most basic needs. So thank you for continuing to help and be as generous as you can in our missions offering at the end of the service. Quick holler out to uh, Stevens Point Campus this morning. Jake and Emily DeBoer uh, are the proud parents of Felicity Noreen DeBoer. Give them a hand. Hallelujah. We like babies, have lots of babies. Felicity, sounds like a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> Felicity. <laughs> What's funny is two-thirds of people are like, who's Jane Austen? <clears throat> Read a book, people. Okay, here we go. Faith 101, we are continuing our series about some of the most basic concepts of faith, particularly the Christian faith. Uh, we're in uh, part seven this morning. I want to answer a very basic question. Who am I? Who am I? Everybody knows, who am I? What am I? You know, where do I belong in the great scheme of things? What's my purpose in life? Who am I at my core? Well, to very simply answer that question, it's answered in one phrase. We are who God says we are. When you start to understand that, I promise you, it will transform your life. Why is that? Because our experiences, our memories, our failures tend to dictate to us who we really are. But that's not who we really are. When we come to Christ, his spirit is released into our lives. Everything changes. And now we are who God says that we are. And when God looks at you, he looks at you way more differently than your parents look at you or your friends look at you. Your children, even your spouse, look at you. He looks at you in a whole new way. We become, first of all, children of God. Now, I know it is said, we're all children of God. But if you read the Bible, in fact, it does not say that. It says quite the opposite. We're not all children of God, only in the sense that God created the earth. But that's not what makes you a child of God. To be a child of God, you need to be born again, Jesus said, transformed from this world into the glorious kingdom of his dear son. Um, this is what they celebrated throughout the Bible. In John, the third chapter, we read, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is because it didn't know him. We are now changed. We are now children of God. When you are a child, it changes your status in life. Uh, if I were to come to your house... I can't just walk in and say, what's for dinner? And open up the refrigerator and start looking around, all right? You'd be very insulted by such things. I just will go wandering around like I own the place. But if your kids walk in, it's a different deal. They have different status. It's their home. They have direct access to you. They don't need to make an appointment. At least for most of us, they don't. <laughs> they connect with you. There, it's a different deal. Uh, when you come to really know God in your life, 
It changes everything. It changes you different from everybody else in the world. You are now a legitimate child of God with direct access to God. And when I say direct access, I mean direct access. There's a lot of people who still struggle with that. There's a whole denomination. This isn't to pick on anybody, but when you pray, you do not need to talk to the pastor. You don't have to have me pray for you. You don't have to have someone holy up the land chain to pray for you. You don't need some saint or to talk to his mom. You can talk directly to him. You have direct access to God because now the status has changed. You're not just something out there looking in. You are inside the kingdom. It's a big stinking deal. The Bible says that when you come to Christ, everything changes. And now we live in the state of everything being new. We don't just live burdened by our past failures. We live in the freedom of new possibilities. Second Corinthians says this, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things, everybody say all things. All things become new. Even your struggling life becomes all new. We, the Bible says, are more than conquerors, which is an exaggerated statement, and they exaggerate it on purpose. If you truly understand what a conqueror means, more than a conqueror is rather ex exaggerated. A conqueror, and back in these days they experienced such things, are huge, unmovable forces. When the Romans came in and conquered, they conquered. When Alexander the Great conquered, it was a big stinking deal when Xerxes of Persia conquered, it was like a consuming fire. These are known as conquerors. Well, the Bible says, yeah, well, we're more than conquerors in Christ. It changes everything. Romans 8th chapter says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that's why he goes on with a great confidence and says the following words, for I am convinced that neither death nor life doesn't change anything. Death or life, doesn't it? Not for us. Neither angels nor demons. Oh, pastor, the devil made me do it. No, no, no. I don't care. Angels, demons, whatever. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because we are more than conquerors. Yeah. The Bible says we can face life victoriously. Philippians says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You say, Pastor, well, that sounds all good and fine, but I don't feel that way. I'm not experiencing that. Well, I want to talk about that this morning. It's really easy to think that we are what we feel. And in point of fact, we are not. The central focus of today's message your past does not dictate who you are. What people say about you or have said about you does not dictate who you are. God dictates who you are. And if there's one thing that does not determine who you are, it is your feelings. Our feelings do not dictate who we are. Now that, in a culture like we have in America today, in a narcissistic, Western, self-absorbed culture, is the equivalent of blasphemy. Because the first commandment of narcissism is, thou must act on thy feelings. And to thy feelings, thou must be true. If you feel it, it must be true. And everything's about feelings. And your feelings really determine what's inside you. And you have to follow your heart. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what anybody else says. We celebrate that in our insane culture. All you got to do is take your wife to a chick flick. 
and listen and watch this nonsense as these people go against everything that makes sense, but I have to follow my heart. And the music swells. As they run off doing the absurd, insane thing, and they run off happily ever after. Of course, that's where the movie always ends. <laughs> I'd love for things to pick up about a year later. <laughs> Bet you it's not. Oh, it's more like, ah! <laughs> now they're in a mess. Why? Because they weren't thinking. Why? Because I had to follow my heart. Goodness gracious, people, don't get caught up in your emotions when you're making big decisions in life. Well, I have to, Pastor. It's who I am. No, it's not. I don't care what our secular culture tells you. Our secular culture says if you feel like stealing, you must steal. You can't help it. Even if you're a rich, famous, wealthy actress and you want to shoplift, even though you can afford to buy the store itself, well, you don't do that. You have to take it because it's just what you feel. If you feel like lying, well, you have to lie. It's not your fault. Just a person. If you feel like lashing out at others, lash you must. If you feel you have to hurt other people in order to protect yourself, then hurt away. If you feel like yelling and cussing, then do it with gusto. <laughs> if you feel like fornicating, well, you have to fornicate. I have to follow my heart, Pastor. We're in love. <laughs> If you feel like committing adultery, well, you must adulterate. That's what the movies say. You have to follow your heart. Your heart really tells you who you are. We didn't mean for it to happen, Pastor. We fell in love. If you feel attraction to someone of the same sex, then you're gay. There's nothing you can do, but you have no control. You must yield to that. It's who you are. If you're born a man, but you feel like a woman. <laughs> you must do everything you can to transform into that woman. And the world will celebrate you. They will clap. They will, oh, what great courage. Self-centered, absorbing narcissism in our culture today is greeted by applause. Great honor is cast upon those who consume themselves. Why is that? Because we're no more than animals. That's why they're so absolutely obsessed with the idea of coming from animals. Because we come from animals and we are animals and animals can only do what their instincts tell them to do. We're not guilty. Nobody's guilty. We're just doing what we feel. That's why there's much more commitment to the book of Darwin instead of the book of Genesis. Because Darwin convinces us we're just a bunch of critters crawled out of the swamp one day. You have to do what you feel. In fact, if you don't, now that's the sin. Oh, that's what's wrong. Oh, you cannot, cannot, that's the tragedy. You must do it. And the psychologist, you know, the worst thing you do is repress your feelings. Really? I tell you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, here's the good news. You do not have to do what you feel. Your feelings do not determine who you are. Say, well, I feel bad, Pastor. You may, but it doesn't determine 
who you are. Well, I feel I have to get drunk. You may, but you don't have to get drunk. Pastor, I feel like I have to look at porn. No, you don't. doesn't matter what you feel. You don't have to do what you feel. Pastor, I can't help it. I feel attracted to that other man's wife. I have to do. No, you don't. doesn't matter. You don't have to do what you feel. Your feeling is just your flesh screaming at you. You don't have to listen to it. When Jesus said it's free, we're free from all that nonsense. Don't buy into the lie. You have to do it. And if there's one thing that people who struggle with these types of things say, is they always say, well, I just struggle with these feelings. I just struggle with their feelings. What they don't understand is you don't have to do what you feel. You don't have to do it. You can choose to do it, and many of you do, but you don't have to. That's the good news. Your feelings do not determine who you are, nor does it determine your actions. And when people are struggling, and I hear it, they say, Pastor, I just, I just keep praying God take away these feelings. I know I shouldn't be in love with that other guy, but I'll I just pray God take, change his take my feelings, and he doesn't answer. Uh, I pray, oh Lord, I'm struggling with porn, but I just, God, please take away these feelings. And that's why I hear over and over again, they are missing it. You do not pray that prayer. God does not answer that prayer. God will not take away your feelings. He doesn't do that. You should be glad because the only way he can take away your feelings is to kill you. <laughs> it's your flesh. Here's the good news. Someday you'll be dead. I know that sounds morbid and absurd, but it's absolutely true. When you read the Christian gospel, you read the New Testament, they talk about this glorious standing that we have as conquerors and as children of God, but make no mistake, they say it's a struggle. It's a struggle. You will struggle all your life. And the good news is someday we get free from this. We get free from this. Hallelujah. Free from what? Free from those feelings and those things that yell and scream at you. But here's the good news. You're free already. Because whom the Son makes free is free indeed. You do not have to do what you feel. If you buy into this, your life will be a mess. So, well, pastor, what, what about grace? What about grace? Listen to me. Grace covers everything, but it doesn't allow everything. People who think the grace of God means you can do anything you want and it doesn't matter are delusional. They have been deceived or are self-deceived. It doesn't, you just can't do everything just because of grace. That's not what grace is. People think, well, grace, oh, it just it doesn't matter. That's not what grace is. In fact, grace is quite the opposite. True grace from the Bible is completely different. In fact, let's take a look at what this grace is. We read about it in Titus, the second chapter. <laughs> and there it is. First service, I was yelling, where is it? And they said, you never sent it to them. So it was my fault. Anyway, it's now it's there. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that has offered salvation to all people. Yes, that's what we celebrate. Grace of God has come everywhere. Yes. And what does this grace say? It teaches us to say no. no. Everybody say no. no. Say no. no. Say it again. Say no. no. If you don't have no as part of your version of grace, you don't have grace. Because grace sets you free where you can say no. Here's the thing. Without Jesus, you are a slave. The Bible says we're slaves to sin. Your feelings say you got yourself. You just do it. You really cannot stop. You are a slave. These people are much more animalistic without Jesus, I promise you. And many of you, were you all like this. Before you came to Jesus, whatever your flesh screamed, you just did it. You know you shouldn't do it. You did it anyway. But now that you've come to Christ, the good news is now you can say no, and, it, and you are really able to do it. You don't have to do what you feel. Hallelujah. It's a glorious thing. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live... Put it back on. <laughs> Self-control, there it is. 
Say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright. <laughs> Put it back. Next one. Flip the page. Upright and godly lives in this present age. It's not just after you die. It's not, oh, faster, someday we'll be dead and we'll cross over. Farther along, we'll know more about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. <laughs> Sounds like hee-haw, doesn't it? Live in the sunshine. You don't got to wait till we're dead and gone before we, we can live in victorious life right now. Why? Because we can say no. We can live self-controlled lives. The Spirit of God will, if you let it, like I know, many, 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 many here, don't let it. You struggle. That's the purpose of this message. You don't have to let this happen to you. You can walk free. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. When you start to understand this, this will change you. You don't have to do what you feel, particularly when that feeling is bad. You can control yourself. The Spirit of God gives us the ability, Titus said, to control ourselves. Listen, without control, life is a disaster. If you're driving home today and your car loses control, that's a bad day for you. Hopefully, you will just slowly coast to a close. If you're flying an airplane like I've done for 25 years and you lose control, that's a really bad day for you because there's not just coasting to the side of the road in that scenario. It's more like, ah! Even boating, you have to have control. I'm getting much better, praise God. I used to tell people, if you see me boating coming to you, don't wave, run! <laughs> but I'm getting much better. Everything in life, without control, life's a disaster. Right now you're sitting in a, a room that's got air conditioning and heating and air exchange. They're called climate control systems. Without control, life becomes very uncomfortable. Life becomes unmanageable. Life becomes a disaster. It is the ability to control things that makes life work. And so is true in your life. You can control yourself. But you have to understand the key is not to try and reason with your feelings. The key is not to ask God, oh, please take away these feelings because it's not going to happen. You don't have to do what you feel. Again, this is blasphemy in our secular culture. I'm telling you, they... In the, outside the church, when they hear st statements like this, they just go nuts because they are absolutely convinced that you have to do what you feel. And your feelings really are who you are. And I'm telling you, as a believer in Christ, that is not true. All you're feeling is you still feel that old nature yelling and screaming at you. It kind of pops up and goes away. But you don't yield to those feelings. And we all, and your feelings... You know, a lot of times people feel bad because it's just the way they feel. You know, I feel something bad. Okay, but you don't have to do it. That's the good news. We're judged not on how we feel, but on what we do. You may feel like punching me in the face. <laughs> it's only a problem if you do it. <laughs> don't do bad things. We feel bad things. I feel bad things. Oh, my goodness. I feel like yelling at people. Sometimes I feel like punching people. Sometimes I have inappropriate thoughts, hard to imagine. Being the spiritual man of God that I am. 
Which, by the way, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We were talking about this in our pastor's meeting last week. Ladies, when you hug men, try not to have the frontal assault suction cup kind of hugging. It may not mean a lot to you, but it means something to us. I got to tell you. I can't pray for hours after that. (laughs) Perhaps if I were more spiritual, that wouldn't be the case. But it is what it is. Now, don't walk around paranoid. (laughs) How's everybody after the first service? Nobody was hugging anybody. I ain't touching nobody. You can hug. That's fine. And sometimes they just get in the way. It is what it is. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, hey, you! (laughs) Holy moly! Don't do that! My wife, shaking her head. (laughs) Here's the good news. Not only do you not have to live by how you feel, you can change the way that you feel by changing the way that you think. See, we've been set free. What we don't, what people make the mistake is because I'm free, everything happens automatically. It doesn't. You've now been given, it's like someone gives, it's like being in this country. It's a free country, you can do whatever you want. People all over the world envious. Because in America, you can be anything you want to be. In many countries, they don't have those options. It's never available to them. But it won't happen automatically. You have to go make it happen. You have to take advantage of the opportunity. When Jesus comes and sets you free, now you must take advantage of that opportunity and walk in that freedom and do the right things. We read about it in Philippians The fourth chapter, skipping a verse on you back there. Philippians, the fourth chapter says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because when you change the way you think, you change the way you feel. But even still, I'm telling you, you can do all this and you'll still at times feel bad things and have bad thoughts and have bad emotions and but you don't have to act on them. And you don't have to condemn yourself. Oh, I'm a terrible person, Pastor, because I feel terrible things. Really? Then we're all doomed. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you do. And you don't have to do what you feel. Not with Jesus in your life. What we need is the Spirit of God to become powerful in us. And you have to allow that. The Bible talks about it becoming the fruits of the Spirit. It's very, everybody loves to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Let's, let's look at that. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is in Galatians, the fifth chapter. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience or, you know, long-suffering, which means suffering for a long time, (laughs) Kindness, goodness. Everybody likes this, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Next page, gentleness, self-control. Everybody say self-control. Now, here's what... The mistake that people think. They'll hear a message like this and they'll think, okay, I need to try harder. No. That's not what you need to do. In fact, if you try harder, you most likely will fail. Have you ever set out one day and determined, I'm not going to do such and such? 
only to end up doing it. You think, today I'm going to be really patient. I'm going to be really, really patient today. And then you drive into that fast food window from hell. All you want is an order of french fries. 20 minutes later, it's for the love of God. Just when you think I'm going to be kind today, somebody comes along, drives you crazy. Well, what's the answer? The answer is the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I got to try. No, 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 no. Fruit trees do not try to bear fruit. If you drive up in the Door County and you see all those cherry trees, they're not going. <laughs> an apple tree is never trying to have an apple. An orange tree is never trying to have an orange. It just happens. If you have the right environment, if in fact a fruit tree stops bearing fruit, what's the problem? The environment. Something is wrong. Not enough light, not enough heat, not enough air, whatever the deal is. Not enough nutrients. Because you give it the right environment, it will just happen. What I'm saying to you is to walk free of this stuff, to have the self-control, to walk in the way I'm talking about and experience this love, joy, and peace and stuff. You can't gin that up on yourself. If you do, you'll only fail anyway and then you feel awful. If you look at your life and say, you know what? I'm not having a lot of love, joy, peace and I'm certainly not having a lot of self-control. Good. That's an honest statement. There are times in my life, absolutely, as a pastor, as a man of God, I look and say, you know, I don't have a lot of that in my life. I do not take a whip and flog myself, you wicked, wicked, wicked man. What I do is I, I work on my environment. Something that I got to get back to the basics. Prayer, reading the Bible, church attendance, fellowship, all these things put you in the right environment so the Spirit of God can flood you and you without effort will have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. Oh, you'll still feel those things, but those things don't control you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It happens in the right environment. And I promise you, I often talk to people who struggle. And say, well, Pastor, I'm not experiencing what I should. I'm really struggling. And I ask them, well, well do you pray? Yeah, sometimes. Do you read the Bible? Yeah, I do. When you put it up on the screen. You go to church, pastor, I go to church, celebration church is my church, I go sometimes six times a year. I run into people like this all the time, because I'm on TV, everybody sees, oh, wow, we love celebration church, really, how often do you come? Oh, five, six times a year. I just smile. I'm thinking, you're a moron, but I smile. <laughs> and then you wonder why your life stinks. You wonder why when I talk about this, you look from a distance. That's not me. And I want that to be me, but that's not me. How do I get that? You can't do it on your own. Pastor, I'll try harder. It's an exercise in futility. What you need to do, if you're not walking in the freedom that Jesus died to give you, you're not in the right environment. You need to pray. And you need to do it consistently. You need to read the Bible consistently. So, well, I don't understand all of it. Get in line. Neither do I. Read the stuff you do understand. I don't have to read 45 chapters at once. Read, uh, you know, five, six, seven verses every day. Get this into your head. Go to church. And not just when there's nothing else to do. 
I knew we'd have a good turnout today in church. <laughs> right? Didn't you not? Wake up, it's raining. I go, praise the Lord. There's <laughs> nothing going on in town. Can't go sit out on the boat. Praise the Lord. Pray for rain, pray for rain, pray for rain. You want to have the fruit in your life. You need to get in the right environment. This is not a message of me yelling at you, though it may sound like that. The answer isn't you to try and gin these things up by yourself and make them happen. Well, Pastor, I'm going to try hard. I'm going to try. No, 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 no. What you need to try to do, the effort you need is not to create these fruit. You need to get yourself in the right environment in your life. You need to be in church consistently, even in the summer. God forbid. You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to do these basic fundamental things to get yourself in the right environment. And now, all of a sudden, look at that. Woo! <laughs> I'm fruity. We better pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace. We thank you that you have made it possible for us to walk free in this life from the poisonous effects of negative emotions. But Lord, while this freedom is there, we must take advantage of it. We can't do it on our own, but you can do it through us, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And Father, as we think of our own lives, if we're not in a place where we don't see much love, patience, kindness, and all this self-control, help us to get in the right environment. Because if the right tree gets the right environment, it'll always give the right fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.